Morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunday morning. It's Selby C. It's Steve Allen's. Well, it's kind of not even early breakfast. This is normal brekkie, as far as I'm concerned. If it's between six and eight, as far as I'm concerned, that's for normal people. Comedy legend Joan Rivers will be buried today. Difficult to tell whether she is actually dead, because she looks exactly the same dead as she did alive. Very much embalmed. It'll be her final red carpet. Uh, Frank Lampard and Christine Bleakley, how are you, have rejected big money offers for their wedding. It's funny how they've released that as a bit of a news story, you know, because normally all these things are secrets, so I'd, I'd keep it quiet, actually. Kelly Maloney says, Celebrity Big Brother saved me from suicide. Don't make me say it. And Lauren Goodyear drones on and on and on and on and on. Poor old soul, honestly. What a shy little wallflower she is. It's LBC. Nice to be company. I don't mind where you are this morning. I don't care if you're lying in bed. In fact, I'd prefer it if you were lying in bed. It's the best place to be, I think, on a Sunday morning. Especially when it's sort of, it's, I was, I was really happy in bed this morning. I was really cosy. And it was really, really warm. And, and I thought, I don't want to get up. And then the alarm went off and I thought, oh, it kind of spoils your morning, doesn't it, really? But, of course, at this precise moment, unless you have to get up to go to work, you might as well stay there and enjoy it. James is wearing his fisherman's sweater today. You look like an advert for Neutrogena hand cream. We see all these fishermen sitting on a boat, and apparently fishermen are so camp nowadays, they're using Neutrogena hand cream. I used to laugh at that advert, thinking, I really don't see butch North Sea fishermen sitting there going, has anybody got the hand cream? You know, I just, I just don't, I don't see it at all. Who are TV's richest? They've, they've done a feature in the sun today. I don't believe it. I tell you, I mean, it's, it's very odd. The reason I don't believe it is because I know some of these people don't have thruppence to rub together. And that's why I find it fairly, fairly difficult to believe. I don't know what they based it on. This is part one. And it's got people in here like, um, like, let's have a quick look. Um, uh, Brian Dowling. They reckon Brian Dowling is, uh, is 2.5 million pounds. I don't believe that for an instant. They say here that uh, he's been earning £300,000 a year fronting a Saturday night primetime show called Sitting on a Fortune for Irish Broadcaster TV3 and regularly appears in pantomime. Whatever here he doesn't. And also, he wouldn't earn very much for Panto. He'd be on, like, 20 or 30 grand for Panto. And I don't believe that an Irish broadcaster would pay £300,000. I just don't believe it. Uh, who was the other one on here? Um, um, oh, there was one which I didn't believe at all, actually. I really didn't believe it. Jeff Brazier, one and a half million. I don't believe it. What, living in that pokey little place he's in at the moment? I just don't believe it. Lee Mead, 1.7 million. Ryland, 1.4 million. The trouble is, for all of these reality people, it can come crashing down in an instant. They reckon that uh, Joey Essex has got 1.3 million pounds. Well, for the amount of times he's on... Te- and also, I mean, you know, how, how much longer can you go around playing dim? How much longer? Sam for years, how much longer? They say uh, she's worth 1.2 million pounds. Are they assuming that that's what the... Um, they say here that her perfume was an upfront fee of 35 grand. I'd be very surprised. Very surprised. You'd have to shift a lot of perfume to get that money back again. You really would. And these people, the reason that they're out, I don't know. I'd have to check with Jonathan Shallett on these things. I really would. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And we'll put everything in there. So the, the, the front pages of the papers are, as Sam Pittis told you, um, this this non-event on the Sunday Mirror, I can't believe that they've seriously done this story. It's it's the silliest story I've ever read. Uh, a Wheeler Dealer Delboy fan has hatched a plot to cash in when the Only, only Fools and Horses star dies. His name's Perry. He's hoarding autographs that David Jason signs for charity. No kidding. What, you mean like everybody else? 
<laughs> I mean, it doesn't make any difference. What happens with with a lot of these... I mean, they, they've sort of tried to make it out as if it's interesting. I don't know what a David Jason autograph would go for. Not very much. because And the reason not very much... I better explain this to the mirror. Is because he signs everything. If you don't sign, they're worth a lot of money. So Diana, I think... Her, <clears throat> excuse me. Her, hers go for, for quite a bit of money. Because obviously there aren't going to be any more. But <clears throat> David Jason here... He's, uh, he's just released a signing session, because what they do is, all the big houses, and a friend of mine did it with, so I won't tell you who it is, because he's still got some of them left, and you go to an artist, say, say, it's, uh, say it's David Jason, and you say, listen, I've got a load of photographs of only fools and horses, can you sign them? And uh, I need a hundred signing, and I'll give you £6,000. And that's what the celebrities do. I know a very famous person... He was offered a million pounds, I kid you not, a million pounds to sign, I think, about a thousand items relating to what he did, which was very unusual. And he turned the money down. He said, I don't need the money. He said, I don't need a million pounds, which is a nice situation to be in. I think you'll find that um, Hollywood actor brought his own set of sources out, uh, was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. God, what's his name? Nice man. Married to Joanne Woodward, I think. And we get there slowly. Don't worry. It's a a process of elimination when you get to my age. You start thinking about who the dick is it. And begins with P. Is it P? I think it begins with... Anyway, he... um, Oh, God, I can see his picture as well now, which is even more annoying. Very, very annoying. Uh, Wait a minute. Somebody will know this straight away. (laughs) Unfortunately, you're not telling me who it is, which will be clever. Who is it? It's Paul Newman. Thank you. When people used to ask for his autograph, he said, I, I won't sign anything, but I'll shake your hand. So, consequently, it made his autographs very rare. But uh, this person, who was offered a million pounds, was offered it by a, a very well-known autograph company. So, this story is a total non-event. A total... I mean, obviously, they haven't got anything at all on the mirror, which is very unusual. Normally, they're, they're sort of up there with them. But every single person um, gets... Autographs. It's like saying, are you telling me that most, um, that most radio stations, the TV stations, don't have an archive full of obits ready to run in case somebody dies? So you would have, you know, the, the Queen and Prince Philip and Prince Charles and loads of celebrities. As they get on, you just compile a thing. So it comes as no surprise to me that you're going to wait for, for David Jason. I don't know why, you know, all of a sudden his things would go up in value. I don't think they will because there's so many of them. It's only if it's a rarity it goes up in value. He says here, that this, this, this guy Perry, he says he's going to go up, isn't he? Then they're going to sell for maybe two or three hundred pound each. No, they're not. They're never going to get anywhere near two or three hundred pound each. Dead or alive, he's not going to fetch two hundred pound each. Why would he? There's loads of them. Loads of them out there. And that's the trouble. Perry obviously isn't the brightest penny in the box. And um, what they do is that they, they sort of do a... He signs autographs. Part of the profits go to David Jason. Part goes to charity. And that's how it works. He says, I've, I've got a legitimate business arrangement. He's probably got it with loads of people. I don't think there's any matter with this. I mean, I could actually have got loads of autographs, you know, over the years that I've been at LBC. Where every time a celebrity comes in, I go, can you just sign this for me? Just sign this for me. Sign this for me. But, uh, but you tend not to do it. So I don't think there's anything the matter with what he's doing. But they're certainly not going to be fetching a few hundred pound each. They're absolutely not. 
As I say, whether he's dead or alive, they're not going to be fetching it. Um, I also didn't didn't go for the robotic Hoover story this week. I'm afraid the idea that you can be uh, away and it hoovers your house is a load of rubbish. That's an absolute blatant lie. It can't get upstairs, so how can it hoover your house? It can only do the downstairs. And that's, and that's just about it. And they've already got one of these vacuum cleaners out there. Nothing new that Dyson's got, except this one works on an app, so you can program it. I mean, can you imagine? So you're in San Francisco, and you've got one of these cameras at home, and you think, well, watch this, and you're say, saying to all your friends, watch this, look, here comes the Hoover, and, or the vacuum cleaner, and we push this button here, and then it comes out there, and the vacuum cleaner has a, has a bit of a Mary fit and decides to go mental in your sitting room, smashing into the furniture, hoovering up the cat, you know, doing all sorts of things. You're going, what's it doing? What's it doing? It can't go upstairs, so it can only hoover downstairs. How boring is that? For £700. I couldn't believe that Sam Pitters was getting excited about that. I was very, very disappointed. I thought, no, Sam being the cynic that he is, I thought he'd go, no, I don't want that. Why would you want a little gadget like that? Because it's £700. It'd be cheaper to bring in a fucking its charger again. And you can get one for the grass outside. But it never does it properly. It's just a gimmick. It's just a gimmick. It's not, you know, it's, it's nothing that's, that's brilliant as far as I'm concerned. £700. It's cost £23 million to develop. That's why it's £700. I suppose people are... But I'd rather have the new iPhone. I'm not interested in, in some vacuum cleaners that whizzes around your sitting room by itself. It's, it's, you've still got to empty it. So, in other words, you know, you're away for a week. And what, what, how many times is it going to hoover? Once? What's exciting about that? Nothing. Ridiculous. Quarter past six. <laughs> morning, everybody. 17 minutes past six. I know, it's sickening when somebody's this cheerful at this time of the morning, isn't it? It, it would drive me mad. If I was listening at home, I'd have been throwing things already. Can't bear people who are cheerful first thing in the morning. It's not normal, is it? It really is not normal. And uh, But I'm fairly cheerful. It, and you know why? Because when I opened up the papers this morning, there were so many good celebrity stories that I began to think... Oh, and also the other thing which I have to get off my chest because it concerns that little boy, the little five-year-old, uh, Asher, and his parents, and the hospital who said, no, he's not having this proton treatment. And now these other doctors have gone, yes, we think he's perfectly suitable. Why can't they even agree on something like that? So across the world, people can't agree on the treatment. And I think his parents are still... I think he's a ward of court or something, whatever it is. His parents are battling left, right and centre. I mean, you want to bang people's heads together on this one. You, I mean, I really do. I lost, lost my temper a little bit last week because I just couldn't believe that people could be so callous over a little boy and start messing about, you know, with something that the parents thought we want to try it. And they were right, because the Czech hospital have said, yes, we think he's perfectly suitable. So how come the British hospital in Southampton didn't think he was suitable? Are they just not up to speed on it? Are they governed by money? Do they all sit around little jobs worths that they are and, uh, and, uh, and sort of sit down and they go, no, we're definitely not going to go for that one. We'd rather give it to a child over here. Is that how it works? I don't know. I really don't know. It's, I mean, it's just very annoying, whatever it is. But at least they're going to get him into hospital, I think, this week. So that should be fine. Now, whether it works, I don't know. I'm not medically qualified. All I hope is that it gives them a bit longer with him. That's all, that's all I can hope for, because I know that if the inevitable happens, and we all hope it doesn't, we hope that by some miracle, by some divine intervention from the Almighty, and this little boy lives, then it'll be fantastic, and we'll rejoice. But if the ultimate happens and we do lose him, then, you know, he's going to get the most coverage of any, of any person you know, for ages and ages, because he, he's battled it. He's had to lie in a, let's face it, just lying in a Spanish hospital. Must be enough to make you feel fairly sick. And so he's lying there. He doesn't know anybody. His parents weren't there. They were locked up. 
I mean, you'd have thought that they did something absolutely terrible, wouldn't you? You thought they'd actually tried to kill him themselves, but they didn't. Anyway, let's turn to some happier... There must be some happier things. There really must be. Oh, look, Rachel Riley, head over heels in love with somebody. This is the... Um, I reckon that every single person who's in Countdown, every single celebrity in there, and I use the term in some of their cases quite loosely, I reckon their agents are working overtime to try and find a story to get them into the paper. So in the case of Greg Wallace, it's a case of uh, Greg Wallace, oh, you know, you're going to have to watch him because he's going to be trying it on with all the old dancers. You think, what an old, ugly bloke like that? Who's going to be remotely interested? You know, oh, dear Lord above. You know, and they say, so that's the, their story. Rachel, you know, she's, she's got a broken marriage. I've got nothing to do with show business or the fact that everybody adores me. Uh, anyway, she's now got a hunky Strictly dancer, which is four consonants with three vowels, and that spells romance. R-O-M-A-N-C-E. And so here she is. And luckily there was a photographer hanging around outside the house. Why you want to hang around outside her house? I've got no idea. Perhaps he didn't have anything to do that day. So that's their, that's their sort of main story in the sun today. It's not the most exciting story. Rachel Riley, woman who can add up in her head, you know, goes out with other bloke. I, I don't know, is that, uh, is that of any interest to anybody? I don't think so. Oh, look, here's David Beckham and two of his sons going to a, a water theme park. They went to Legoland, which is lovely. And they went on a water slide. And... Um, and there was a photographer there to capture the moment. It was good, isn't it? Lovely. I like things like that. Uh, new Manchester United star Radamel Falcao. Maybe two years older than fans think. Paperwork looks like it's been altered. Who cares? Who ca- Does it really make any difference whether he's that old or... The- who-, who cares? Tony Parsons says, Call Tony Blair poodle, liar, warmonger, not a do-gooder. And this is people talking about the GQ Awards after Tony Blair was given for his charity work. And the bloke had the audacity to actually turn up and accept the award, which horrified some people. People still a little bit upset that there was no uh, Peter Andre there. Well, they didn't want him. And uh, he's far too busy doing his new adverts for Iceland, which is lovely. It's Peter Andre sort of... I mean, seriously, I want one of the newspapers to catch him out. I want one of the newspapers to find that he shops elsewhere. Because I'm not sure that where Peter Andre lives, there is an Iceland... I think there's some others. I reckon he goes to another supermarket. I don't think he goes to Iceland at all. <laughs> That's what I've got a feeling. And I reckon, let, let's, let's put a bet on it, shall we? Before the month is out, there'll be a picture of Peter Andre coming out with Tesco bags or, or Sainsbury's bags and everything else. Again. So he's paid by Iceland, but he shops elsewhere. I bet you. I bet you. I've just, I've just got a feeling about it. It just is, is, is the kind of story there, isn't it? I think it's just waiting to be done. Uh, this was a story of here... Oh, no, that's a very sad one. We don't want to do that. We don't, I don't want to do sad stories this morning. I've, I've, I've decided to make a pact with myself that I'm only going to do... Oh, which is quite good. This is uh, Mario Balotelli. That's the one with a silly haircut. You know, used to be blonde, I think, and now he's something else. He's, uh, he's, he's got all these cars, and uh, apparently he carries a wad of notes and gives out £20 note to tramps. It's nice. There they go, James. When you finish here, go and sit outside his house. Go and sit outside the house. Get some money, love. You should be all right there. Anyway, he romped with Faye Yvette Betts in his penthouse and acted like a schoolboy to chat her up. Well, it obviously worked, because she jumped into his bed as fast as she could. You know why? She was selling the story. Selling the story. So, well-known old tart, Faye Yvette Betts, Balotoli. I mean, we haven't had a story like this for ages, to be brutally frank with you. 
You know, I thought gone are the days where old old tarts slept with a footballer and then sold the story. I thought we'd moved on a bit from that, but apparently not. Balotoli bedded me as team played Xbox. He smoked 20 a day even before training. I what sort of person are you, Faye? I mean, are you just an old tart who sleeps with people and sells stories? Or are you a, are you a decent... You know, well-brought-up child, because, frankly, I mean, some of the stuff you're selling here, your parents must be absolutely horrified that the little tramp who's in the papers today, who happens to sleep with a footballer, you know, as if this was like some big deal nowadays. You know, good heavens, girl sleeps with footballer. No kidding! No, it's like sort of, you know, girl... You won't ever read any stories about girl beds Joey Essex, will you? Have you noticed you never got any of those? Funny, that. I wonder why. I did turn on the television the other day, and I did happen to watch... Uh, Yvette Fielding in the So Haunt Me, because she looks though she's haunted. And uh, this is the one where they obviously drag out a few lesser-known celebrities who sort of buy into this garbage. And so she was talking about York being the most haunted place, and we've already had some things happening. I thought, no, you haven't. Don't tell lies. Don't tell lies. Because if this stuff was happening all the time, every other channel, like the BBC, would have cottoned onto it, and they'd all be doing programmes, because everywhere she goes, they seem to have a haunting. They have a haunting because they film in the dark and the, and the crew kick over a chair and go, oh, what was that? What was that? It was the crew kicking over a chair, Yvette. You old fraud, honestly. And so who did they have on this one? Scott Mills, who looked like he'd been haunted himself. Poor soul. I don't, I don't understand why these people do these programmes. It was absolutely ghastly. It really was. Absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, what have we got here? Gary Boosie, he's still in the Big Brother house because he kicked out the, um, the Kelly Maloney uh, woman. Uh, the other day. And the reason I think you kicked her out is because she's just boring. I've never known anybody so boring. But what's what's really odd about Kelly Maloney? And um, when I watched her talking to Emma Willis, she talked like a bloke, yeah, talked like that. What? Yeah. And all it is, it's a bloke with a wig on and a frock. I mean, it's like bad drag. Whichever way you look at it, he's still got all his bits. And I'm not sure whether the whole thing is a giant joke. Because he hasn't learnt anything. I thought the whole idea was and I know people who've been through this, that if you, if you want to be a woman, then you learn how to be a woman. You, 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 you get your voice changed, you do all sorts of things. It's not just a matter of shoving some makeup on and sticking a wig on your head. That's not what it's all about at all. But apparently he's now been suffering, she's been suffering, um, depression for 15 years. So thank God for that. You know, I was worried about what it could have been, but no, it turns out that it's depression. Everybody's got depression. Have you noticed? Every single person, uh, depression. Really? How long have you had it? Oh, years. How did it start? Can't remember. And quite clearly, it must be it must be the new must be the new whiplash. Because every time I, I read a story about a celebrity, I go, depression. I think, oh, what another one? White D, depression. Kerry Katona, depression. Mind you, I watch these people and I get fairly depressed. And now you've got uh, Kelly Maloney, and uh, apparently Big Brother, celebrity Big Brother, rescued her from killing herself. I mean, this program needs to literally be elevated. To the deity. I mean, there is no two ways about it. It stopped a little midget with a bad wig on his head from killing himself because he was depressed. I'm not surprised. He's probably got an idea in his mind of what he thinks he looks like, and then he looks in the mirror and realises that he does look like one of the members of the cast of Benidorm. He looks like Tim Healy. It looks like bad drag. You know, some people look very good in drag. Unfortunately, not many. You know, when you look at Danny LaRue, Danny LaRue looked fantastic as a woman. Kelly Maloney... Does not look like a woman. But have you noticed that that programme seems to attract people who want to change their sex? 
We've had loads over the years. I'm sure that somewhere, perhaps one of the producers or one of the researchers is nurturing some secret, secret habit of sort of changing into other clothes, like Superman in a phone box. Only this time they emerge as a different sex. And so over the years we've had, we had uh, uh, the, the Portuguese are on there. We had a, a woman who turned into a bloke. Uh, we've got this one. We've, we've had quite a few people. And they obviously can't wait to tell you that, they're, that they want to live as a woman. And so you have to listen to their outpourings, which, you know, if you don't want to live as a woman or live as a man, if you're the opposite sex, it's terribly tedious. It's of no interest. It's, it's like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And we're going, we're looking at you and you're still boring. I don't care. I really couldn't care less whether you're changing your sex. That's something you have to decide to do yourself. But, I mean, he's 61. The wife was horrified. What do you mean you want to, want to live as a woman? What for? Because well, I've always felt trapped in the wrong body. Well, I've interviewed Frank Maloney on many an occasion. Even close friends of 30 years have said they never, they never guessed anything. But, I mean, I work with people around here. Some of these people I work with might leave here. Have a good look around. You know, and they might, they might go and sort of change in one of the offices and walk out as Muriel or something. I don't know. I don't, I don't bother myself with that side of life. It's of no interest to me. I'm, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, the producer who I'm looking at at the moment wears male attire. When he goes home, I don't know. You know, it might turn out in five or ten years' time, they go, did you know secretly he used to go out dressed as Batwoman? I don't know. I never think about it. It never worries me in the slightest. I just don't want him to drone on about it like it's some big secret. I couldn't care less. You know, it's, I mean, to be honest with you, Kelly, Kelly Maloney could have actually turned up in Little Britain. David Walliams enjoyed putting on a frock because he actually did it and it was funny and he looked good. Kelly Maloney just doesn't look good and also has got his kind of voice like that. I mean, just see, I'm not surprised that there was a... Barry Hearn in the paper the other day saying when he first heard that Frank Maloney had changed his sex and wanted to be called Kelly, said I'd nearly died laughing. Because it, it just seemed so odd, didn't it? Yeah, kind of tall idea. Right. But, uh, but anyway, uh, she says here, I finally feel complete. Well, that's one thing. She's not. She's absolutely not complete. But it, it, it makes a good front-page story, doesn't it? That's what people, people like. And uh, Bill, Big Brother helped me accept, accept myself as a woman. Dear God, and that's, that's the best hope you've got, is it? You've, the best hope is a, is a third-rate television programme to help you feel like a woman. I mean, how is that possible? And also, uh, Stephanie Pratt has revealed plans to move to Britain and marry George Gilby. Oh, this, this, there's something to matter with them, isn't there? They've got one or two screws loose, I'm afraid, most of them. It's all very worried. White D forced to do a day's work when uh, she manned Big Brother's call centre. Oh, dear Lord. Actually, having to do some work, dear, for a change. Because so far, she's managed to achieve nothing. It's 6.30. Morning, everybody. 27... 27 minutes to 7. There you go. That's about good. That's good enough, isn't it? So nice to see the Hogarth roundabout flyover bit open. They've managed to take the scaffolding down. It's going to take them another three years, I should imagine, to uh, landscape the roundabout itself. Uh, so what starts on the television tomorrow? Yes, it's the new look loose women, or as I prefer to call it, the very, very old look loose women with a lot of much older faces on there. They've decided to hang on to Colleen Nolan. And they've obviously been through in the press office at Loose Women. They've gone, listen, we need to get some coverage. Um, has anybody got any stories, Gloria? No. Done done all of that sort of stuff before. Um, Judy? Judy, do you have a... Judy? Judy! Do you have any other stories, Judy? 
OK, love, if you'd just like to make a contribution occasionally to the programme. I can't wait to see her. I can't wait to see her. I've got this image in my mind that Judy Finnegan is going to lurch from behind a screen on Loose Women for some reason and take over the programme. That's my dream. That's my dream. I have a dream. I want Judy Finnegan to take over the programme. I don't want her to be pushed down by anybody. I want her to sit there because they say, oh, she, she's a proper journalist. Yeah, but she's not been on television for the best part of a year. She was a bundle of nerves last time. So I'm, I'm rooting for Judy Finnegan. She gets my vote. And so they obviously went round every... Judy. Thank you, love. And um, I'd like to sort of make sure that everybody has got some chance of getting themselves in the paper. So they've obviously been round. They can't find any stories. So what do they do? They get Colleen Nolan to cobble together some dreary old thing about, you know, my fears on the future of my marriage. We really love each other, but at times that isn't enough. Oh, shut up, silly girl. Shut up. Dear Lord. Honestly, you've droned on and on about your marriage enough. If it collapses, it's your own fault. I did tell you, didn't I, that I, um, I have a copy of Colleen Nolan's autobiography. At home, by our lift, we have a table where we put books on. If, if, I've, if I've done some books here at the studio, I take them out and put them on there. And people take them because they're really nice books. The only book that has never been taken or borrowed is Colleen Nolan's autobiography. It's been sitting there for three months now and nobody's touched it which is deeply worrying. Deeply, deeply worrying. However, Kevin O'Sullivan... Judy, thank you. All right. Try and keep up with it, love. Uh, Kevin O'Sullivan, writing in the Mirror today, and uh, he writes as follows, and I have to read it all to you because it's so good. He says, Shock and horror as the very private Lauren Goodyear sends... You remember Lauren... Do you remember Lauren Goodyear? She's the unattractive one who's body dysmorphic. Her mother sort of blamed it on herself, but really I blame it on Ronald McDonald for the fact that she's got to that state and any fish and chip shop. Anyway, she sensationally revealed this week that a man in Dubai offered her £40,000 for a night of passion. He says here, and all because she stopped to pat his guide dog. Because <laughs> you wouldn't, would you? I mean, quite clearly, she's just made it all up. This is after Lauren Goodger. Uh, the shy and retiring former The Only Way's Essex person turned the indecent proposal down. This is because she apparently made a little a little sex tape. She didn't know she was making a little sex tape with her boyfriend. Apparently it goes on all the time in sort of uh, in more common households and or if you're an actress. Um, and and then it sort of got nobody's ever seen it. It's all in her own mind. She's an attention seeker. She's a bit pathetic. She's a drunk She's an embarrassment. In the Big Brother house, she's possibly the worst one you've ever seen. And she's not, she's not particularly good. She's neither intelligent nor clever. He says this alleged incident is just one more example of how tough life has been since, through no fault of her own, Lauren was thrust into the limelight. Poor thing. She tries so hard to keep a low profile. And, and what does she get? Constant intrusion. It's mortifying and humiliating, she wails. My private life has been invaded in the most horrible way. She, of course, sells every aspect of it. When the little porno tape that nobody's ever seen, uh, rumours of that uh, struck the market, people accused her of trying to capitalise on it because, you know, ugly bird makes porno tape is a good headline, isn't it? And then she has to go to Dubai to get over herself. Then we come up with this rubbish that some man offers her 40,000 quid. Well, you'd have to be stupid, Lauren, to turn down 40 grand. That's £39,999, more than you're ever likely to get from anybody else. Somebody offers you 40,000... I mean, and at the moment, in the Big Brother house... Let me just put this into... into, into not even perspective, no. Into, well, anyway, into context. Thank you. 
I knew the word was there somewhere, I just couldn't find it in the recesses of my dark mind with the cobwebs in it. And it's a case that this is a woman who gets drunk and throws herself into anybody's bed on Big Brother, and yet some bloke in Dubai offers her 40 grand. She goes, who do you think I am? We know what you are, darling, we're just trying to negotiate a fee. 40,000, and she said she turns it down. Liar. Absolute liar. There is no 40 grand, there is no man in Dubai who's offered money. It's a load of old hooey. From the moment she waddled into TV's prison for showbiz desperados, the self-styled Ultima Essex girl with those ludicrous outfits has been complaining about the press. Oh, how she wishes the magazines and newspapers she never tires of giving lurid interviews to would leave her alone. Here's a couple of ideas, says Kevin, to little Lauren. One, don't go on a popular programme that films your every move 24 hours a day. Two, don't discuss your sex life. Is this dedicated publicity seeker a shameless hypocrite or stunningly thick? Or both? I totally... I mean, she is thick. I mean, even before she took Channel 5's money, she vowed to yet again spill the beans on her long-forgotten affair with Orange Mark Donut Wright. And spill them she did, as she modestly insisted he loved her body and told her that hitting the sack with her was 100% better than with any top model. She tells, oh, we had amazing sex and all this. And you turn down a businessman of 40 grand. You delusional old drunk, honestly. There is nothing worse. It's so embarrassing. But, of course, we like keeping her in there because we want to watch her suffer. But it's when these people complain about the press intrusion and yet actively sell their stories to the press. That's what's so, uh, so worrying. Uh, through the keyhole. Have you seen it? Awful programme. It's awful. It's with Keith. Keith Orange. Sorry, Lemon. Uh, turnip, whatever he is, it's just a ghastly programme. Well, no matter what ITV2 do to this man, they cannot make the public like him. It's not happening. And who does he have on there? Professional Cockney, Joe Swash. Well-known bankrupt, Joe Swash. Well-known unfunny, Joe Swash. Well-known waste of space, Joe Swash. Can't they find anybody on these programmes, or does it has to be people that will go a little bit risque for you? That's definitely a woman's ass, says Joe. He means house. He just can't speak properly. I do beg your pardon. And uh, actually, it, it wasn't a woman's ass. It was uh, McBusted, pop dweeb, Harry Judd. These people who actively want to sell every aspect of their life. You'd think, actually, Harry Judd would have been a little bit more intelligent. You'd think that he would have actually said, no, I don't want the cameras coming in my house. I'm not that sad or hard up for the money. But uh, obviously not. Mind you, not half as bad as poor little uh, Brian. Yes, Brian from formerly of Westlife. And this is called Who's Doing the Dishes? The Biggest Waste of Space You've Ever Seen. And if you want to see Wastes of Space, who have they had on there? Louis Walsh. First of all, they had to work out who lives in Ireland. Well, that narrowed it down, wasn't it? It certainly wasn't Jedward. And it turned out to be uh, Louis Walsh. And then poor old Brian McFadden, who is sort of, he's sort of fairly amiable. It's just that he's low rent. And that's about the best you can say. So, uh, next up... Amy Child's Essex pad. Have you ever seen such a dump in your entire life? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And they worked that one out very quickly. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, I think, I think what is worse is Joe Frost on the television. This is, I think she used to be a super nanny or something like that. And now she sits there on a thruppany set analysing people's problems. The main one for her is eat more at the salad bar. That's what the problem would be. 84850, uk. I'm in such a good mood. I like Sunday mornings, actually. I could I be in a very good mood. And I, can, and I find so many stories in the papers that sort of just absolutely... They just absolutely tempt me. 
They really do. So that's the the mirror today. Apart, how to cook the perfect Sunday roast with uh, Jean Christophe Novelli, who will speak like this. No, he don't speak like that at all. That's that's the other one, isn't it? He's the French one. But uh, if you can't do the perfect Sunday roast by now, just give up and go and eat out. Okay, it would be a lot easier. Uh, do you think they may change the program name to Loose Old Women? Says Brian on his way to the Eurostar and onwards to Brussels. Oh dear, you poor soul. We went to Brussels. That was nice. We went to Shoreham by sea yesterday, six of us. And it's very pretty, Shoreham. It's obviously got a, a seedy chav side. And lots of people who don't clear up after their dogs, which really annoys me. I know that Noreen's got a sponsor's a dog in the Dogs Trust down there, so that's good. But we went the other side. And it's, it's over on the beach side. Well, I say beach side because it's all stones. And the council have very thoughtfully put in like a walkway so you can walk along the top. But it was a bit misty. And we walked, we had 30 minutes to kill. And uh, we walked along the beach looking at houses, which quite clearly, and they cost apparently between one and two million pounds because you're looking out to sea. You sometimes wish the sea would come in and meet them, but uh, it hasn't done so far. And these people haven't done anything to their houses. They're falling apart. It's absolutely shameful. And I was so excited because we went down there. I'd never, we did have fish and chips. And as you know, I don't, uh, I don't eat fish and chips very often. It's, it's about sort of once in a, once in a blue moon. And so I had uh, Moumonia, very nice indeed, uh, very good, and uh, mussels. And then I had uh, Place Fillets, which came with a, a salad, beetroot salad, and um, mozzarella balls and things like that. That was quite nice as well. Uh, and then I had, um, I decided to, to really push the diabetes about as far as I could. I thought, but this time, you know, I mean, I was practically on the ceiling cleaning it. And, and I thought to myself, I'll, I'll have eaten mess. I love eaten mess. I absolutely adore eating mess because it's that lovely combination of strawberries and raspberries and then meringue and then ice cream and then dribble. It's just sensational. Unfortunately for a diabetic, it's absolute heart attack time. You know, you walk out there, you think, I'm going to die, but I don't really care. Just bury me with the eaten mess. You know, I'm more than happy. And it was lovely. And the restaurants, you would never get, find this, this restaurant in a million years. Well, you'd find it, but you wouldn't think, oh, we'll go in there for something to eat. It's on a little parade of shops, little tiny parade of shops, opposite, almost opposite the footbridge that you walk over from Shoreham by sea. Because Shoreham, in the middle of it, is quite nice. Some of the little lanes are very pretty. But then it's got this ghastly bit, which sort of just old, run-down houses by the lighthouse, which is a shame. But you cross over the footbridge and go a little bit to the left, and there's this little parade of shops, which has got the obligatory Chinese takeaway and Indian takeaway and a couple of other things. And then there's this place. It's just like a doorway. It looks like a conservatory. It's called Into the Blue... And uh, it came recommended, and by the fact that it was full of people, and and they were mainly elderly people. So, I mean, there were a few, few children, but it's only small. You need to book it, you can't just walk in, I don't think. Um, and the staff were really nice and friendly. It was just lovely. It was just nice. Nice to go somewhere different. Parking, blooming nightmare, but never mind. That's something else to worry about, isn't it, really? Uh, on the front of the people today, Cheryl... She's still going, is she? I can't believe it. Is anybody interested in what Cheryl Cole Vassini Tweedy wants to talk about? No, I didn't think so either. Uh, not very good. And the, the good news is that uh, Georgia May Foote is going to leave Weatherfield for the bright lights of Hollywood. No, I hadn't heard of her either. I do, but I know. I feel a bit guilty sometimes when I see these people's names pop up in the uh, in the papers. I think uh, I'm sorry. I don't know who you are. And it's, it's a bit like radio. I mean, nobody knows who I am. It's great, unless you Google me, and then you suddenly realise how devastatingly attractive I am. And that's why I'm on radio. But I look at her, I don't even know who she is. She's apparently, she plays Manny to Katie Armstrong. She's 23. 
So, in other words, she's got no experience at all. She's 23, and she plays a man-eater that nobody's ever heard of, and she's going to Hollywood. Why? I will tell you in a moment, because it's quarter to seven. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. It's Sunday morning on LBC at Steve Allen's Breakfast. I'd sort of like to see myself as the precursor to Petri and Stick. To Petri and Stick. So, just going back briefly to Corrie Sexpot, Georgia May Foote, who's obviously just got herself a PR agent. Uh, They say now she's going to fly to America to make pilot TV shows after a blockbuster exit from the street. Wow. In other words, she hasn't actually got any more work lined up, so they've got to come up with something. Her management team... Her management team... She's she's just... Nobody in Coronation Street. Her management team believe that Georgia's smouldering looks will be a hit with executives in Los Angeles. They don't, listen, we don't know who she is in this country, let alone in Los Angeles. Uh, they reckon that not being known in America could work to her advantage, like it did for another English brunette 20 years ago, Catherine Zeta-Jones. That's 20 years ago, darling. I've sacked your management team. They're quite clearly idiots. Apparently, it says here, uh, Georgia has got the English good looks that the American producers love, and the fact that she's young and unknown will be an advantage. She'll... Wait, I mean, this is so fantastic. This story is just so much of a non-event. She will probably be offered roles in one or two pilots, and then the game is to try and pick the one that will be a winner and made into a series. If she gets it right, she could be on the road to international fame and fortune. If she gets it wrong, well, there's always Panto. I don't even think there's Panto, dear. They put well-known people in Panto. She's no, there's no, no Panto jobs. The producer has confirmed she won't be killed off, leaving the door open for... She's only been in the show four years. Fans have seen her cheat on Chesney and, uh, and Ryan Connor. So, I love this. Corrie boss, uh, Mr Blackburn, Stuart, says Katie will not be killed off. We wish Georgia every success with her future career. In other words, you're going nowhere. Her agent says she's an aspiring actress. Like all actresses, they want to go to Hollywood, but realistically, she can't until she's available, and that'll be January or February. It's very exciting. The world is her oyster. Or rock salmon, or salmon, or sm- or any, any job in the fish and chip shop, she could get straight away. I love the way they go. She's going to go to America, and uh, she's going to fly there to make pilot TV shows. What a load of old cobblers. She's not flying anywhere. She can't fly out till January, and you think she's made any money in Coronation Street? No. Who's actually going to pay for her? And she's going to fly out there and make pilots, is she? <laughs> when I say make pilot, oh dear, she's not making adult films, is she? So many of them go out there and do things like that, don't they? Really ghastly. I do love it, though. I love PR Puff. I just, it just makes me smile. I love, I love anything like that. I'm sort of... I'm, I'm fascinated by reading between the lines of any story that comes out. Uh, Cheryl, Strictly winner just gets a glitter ball. Yes, as opposed to us having to listen to you droning on, don't we? My... God, you're boring. Do you realise just how dull Cheryl Cole is and that accent? Have you noticed, though, in the TV adverts, they've tried to soften it up a bit and make her seem less chav, which I think is quite funny. Uh, so today, it's uh, Joan Rivers. Buried today, classic Hollywood-style red carpet and a star-studded funeral. And she, she wanted a huge showbiz send-off with Meryl Streep crying in five different accents, which I quite like the idea. <laughs> Mourners led by Melissa will walk down a crimson carpet which will then be buried with Joan Rivers. She had wanted Bobby Vinton to sing Mr Lonely, but he can't perform. He's got pneumonia and is 79. So they reckon that uh, also Kelly Osborne will be there and loads of people. Apparently, Prince Charles and Camilla are expected to send flowers. They've been friends for years 
and the entertainer was a guest at the couple's wedding. Of course, she did upset a few people, didn't she, towards the, uh, the end of her life, but that was Joan Rivers. Jewish to the end, ladies and gentlemen. And, um, interestingly enough, uh, her family are now considering legal action against the clinic, and New York health chiefs have launched a probe into her death. 81. I just so want her to lift the lid up and wave one last time. Uh, we got the money back, incidentally, for the tickets for Brighton, but, of course, they hold a bit back, which is a bit annoying, isn't it? I thought they'd actually give it all back to you, but uh, but they don't, but they don't. Uh, 84850. Neil says, excellent in conversation. He said, you're actually getting quite good at this. Lovely man, very professional. Now, which one are you talking about? You're talking about, uh, you're talking about Sir Roger Moore? You talk about him? I thought he was lovely, actually. Really, really lovely. Such a nice man. And I said before, when he left the studio, he walked through the office and he shook hands with people. I mean, that's, that's, that's a gentleman, isn't it? That, that's really, that's a nice thing to do. I was very pleased about that. Very pleased. Nice, nice man. Very nice man. And it's, uh, it's repeated this evening at nine o'clock. If you could afford, says Jackie, £700 for a remote-controlled Dyson, you'd probably have a burglar alarm also, which you could set off when the Dyson moved. Yes, I mean, I, d- I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't... Perhaps they've thought about that. I don't know. Or perhaps they haven't thought about it. I just think it's too much money, don't you? Seven, £700... For a thing that can only vacuum downstairs. There you go. Michael says, listening from Poland this weekend, as I'm christening my daughter Natalia today, and then on to a party. Wish me well. Yes. Georgia can't do any worse in America, Steve, than the awful Cheryl Watson-Name, says Tom. Yes, I mean, I I agree. I mean, she she died on her proverbial out there, didn't she? Completely. Uh, Here's another story. Read between the lines. Frank Lampard and Christine Bleakley have rejected big money offers to flog their wedding to celebrity magazines. A source close to the pair probably them, I should imagine, uh, believed to be tying the knot in 35-year-old Christine's native Northern Ireland, said they've had lots of offers, but are going to have a lovely, low-key day. They want to do it and enjoy it. So, in other words, their agent has said, listen, uh, they're not doing, uh, they're not doing uh, it for money. They're doing it for free. Well, they don't need the money. I mean, she needs the job, so I'm assuming, you know, she needs some work here. It's not exactly going very well. Uh, th- th- these people make me laugh. They think that, you know, once you've been on television the once, that's it. For the rest of your life, all you ever do is television. Why doesn't she get out there and apply for a job in Sainsbury's on the till? Is that, is that beneath her? Is she too snooty to do something like that? Or is it, I'm a television presenter, that's all I do? It's like, so, you know, my, my auntie Enid was a gas lamp fitter. But, you know, I mean, after the war, she, you know, there lo- wasn't a lot of work for her. There wasn't a lot of work for her. But, I mean, she didn't sort of complain. She went and got something else to do. She adapted to electricity. We had a gas mantle in our front room for years. Years and years and years. In our caravan, we had a gas mantle. That was nice. Then he blew the place up twice. But, you know, you have to adapt, Christine. OK, so you don't have any telework at the moment, apart from one or two little bits and pieces. Should you not get a job in the local fish and chip shop? Or, or is that beneath you? That's what, I, that's what worries me. These people, they can't adapt, can they? Oh, I'm a television presenter. Does well, that mean that's all you do, dear? You know, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Um, Carol McGiffin, in her column, talking about the uh, Asher case, a disgrace. Yes, I mean, I'd, I couldn't agree more. And uh, here we go. The stunning news from Ola. This is Ola Jordan. Have you seen that vile husband of hers in Celebrity Big Brother? What a horrible man. Anyway, she, she's not much better. Somebody's obviously stuck half a horsehair sofa on her head, and it makes her look even less attractive. And apparently all ballroom dancers use fake tan. 
OK, because nobody wants to see pasty-looking people out there. And little Ola is wearing things that emphasise her big... Um, ooh, out here somewhere. And, uh, and little things. So the idea of show as much flesh as possible. She's complained about it and said, you know, it's just the sexualisation and people don't like having to go bare-chested. Well, don't do the programme. But if you take the golden shilling, you do what you're told. All right? And apparently they've said she's been warned. I don't think she's been Why would you warn somebody? She's obviously quite silly. And do you know what they do? This is the staggering news about the fake tan, ladies and gentlemen. Hold yourself back. This is the staggering news that the costumes... Well, I can't believe it. I'm telling you this myself. This is from the mouth of Ola Jordan. Apparently, once the credits roll, the dazzling outfits have to be steam cleaned to remove all the fake tan. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I thought they threw them away. They steam clean them, ladies and gentlemen. Ola Jordan, round of applause. You are the most intelligent person we've ever seen on the television. Unbelievable. Apparently, the thousands of sequins... Well, not on her dress. It just looks a bit cheap and tacky. Uh, Polish Ola said they go through a lot of tubs. It stains the clothes and goes everywhere. It's horrible. I hate it. They steam clean them, ladies and gentlemen. Isn't it amazing? Perhaps in Poland they don't do that. I don't know. Sometimes I want to say, she's, I sometimes I have to do this. I want to say, calm down with a bit. I am, I am white compared to these. You're on television, love. In fact, to be honest with you, if you disappeared, nobody would be a bit surprised. Nobody would be a bit surprised. Perhaps you could take that ghastly husband. He, he's seeking solace in Celebrity Big Brother, but he's so vile. Anyway, she says, I don't know how long I'll be on it, next year or the year after. I'm hoping they'll finish it this year, dear. I'm hoping you kicked it. Oh, guess who they've given uh, Andy Murray's mother to? Tony Beak. Tony Beak's got her. Anton Dubeck. He's actually, because he, he always gets all the old women who are dreadful. And so he, he can then sort of pour all over her, which is what he does. He's like a little oil slick. He's a bit David Dickinson. Little bit like that. You know, and you, you feel, you know, he's got a mouthful of phlegm half the time, and he's going to sort of dribble down their back. Because when he danced with Anne Whittaker, well, I love Whitty. He's like, he's, there's something about him, he's a bit creepy. You wouldn't want to bump into him on a dark night. You'd be going, I said, what's your name? Uh, Adtold Dubeck. No, it's Tony Beak, isn't it, really, dear? You try to make yourself sound a bit posh. He just looks like one of those blokes who tucks his shirt into his pants. I don't know why. I've got a thing about that. So when they ever bend over, you can see their pants riding halfway up their back with their, with their vest tucked into it. You know, when you're little, you've got your chill-proof socks and socks and vest and pants. Remember those little chill... No, just me again. And um, and you put them on and your mum tucks your vest into your pants. Do you remember? And if you're very lucky, you could pull it out the front. Was, you know, no, your, your, your vest. You know, it's always quite funny. There you go. Anyway, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. What did I watch the other day? Dad's Army. I do like Dad's Army. I want to watch Silent Witness. I decided on Friday that I was going to put my feet up and have it, because it, it had been a bit of a week, what with the bad back and the bad neck, and, oh, we'd had everything. And then James was away, and then upset me, and then he came back, and then upset me again. And so he's, you know, and then I had a bad eye. I didn't, I didn't have the bad eye, did I? Oh, the eye's much, much better, yeah. Uh, then the back went, then the shoulder went, and then I couldn't turn in. Oh, it's just not. And then yesterday, I reversed into a telegraph pole. I did, and I tell you why I reversed into a telegraph pole is because I was listening to Smokey Robinson's new album, and uh, it's lovely. It's got Elton John on it and Mary J. Blige, and oh, it's got loads of people. It's really, really good, and that's nice. They've re-recorded all his old songs, and I'm listening to that. I've just put a, a, a table in the back of the car, which I collected from a friend of mine in Brighton. And she said, will it fit? And I said, yeah, put it in the back of the car. I've got the thing on. I reversed the car I said, straight into the back of a lamppost. 
Somebody had planted a lamppost since I'd been there. I mean, I'm just ridiculous. So I'm going to take the car into the garage probably tomorrow. And, get to the, and it, all, it can have its winter, winter, have its winter little service thing done. And so what they'll probably have to do is the, the bumpers are all plastic, or whatever they call them now, and they'll just have to sand it down, fill it a little bit, and then respray it. You'll never know, honestly, in a week's time, they'll be, it'll be brilliant. So I thought, last thing I need, isn't it? Really, really dreadful. But apart from that, everything was going really well. And, um, and then somebody else said the other day, was it Liz Jones? Liz something? Anyway, and she was saying about these nude pictures of these celebrities, which are all over the internet, and they're, um, and they're, they're up in arms over it. They don't like the idea that somebody has, you know, managed to gain access to their computer and taken these pictures and uploaded them so everybody can see them. And my argument last week was, and Ricky Gervais's, um, you know, if you don't want these pictures to be seen, don't put them on your computer. Don't take pictures of yourself in the first place. You're just asking for trouble. Talking of asking for trouble, the, uh, you know the show about the scrapyard? You won't believe it. He's only gone and gone bust. Still to come in the final hour this morning, because I'm here until eight o'clock, Frank Lampard and Christine Bleakley in the papers rejecting big money offers for their uh, wedding. Who at reality TV's richest? Danielle Lloyd has filed for divorce. We'll unmask the real Jack the Ripper. Oh, and by the way, there's a fire in Downton Abbey. Who survives? I'll tell you. And the uh, reality TV about the scrapyard. They've only gone and gone bust, haven't they? Oh, all of that and more this morning on LBC. Oh, and Kelly Maloney and all the papers were saved from suicide by Celebrity Big Brother. What a marvellous programme it is. I'm Steve Allen. This is Sunday Morning, the station, LBC. Steve. Morning, everybody. Sunday morning. I wonder what the weather's going to be today. I, when I came back down the motorway yesterday from Brighton, and I must be losing my marbles because three times yesterday I missed the turning. I missed the turning for Brighton, which you remember I did some years ago, because it was snowing and I couldn't see coming off to the left. And, and then I missed the, uh, the bit to go down to uh, another part. Of, and then on the way back, I ended up on the Birmingham Road. I don't know, I don't know if I managed that. I must be losing it completely. But uh, apart from that, Danielle Lloyd is filing for divorce. So prepare to be bored by the same dreary story. You know, footballer cheats on wife and wife files for divorce. But, of course, uh, you know, we have no sympathy for them at all. Who are reality TV's richest? And the uh, reality TV scrapyard scrapped. All of that and more on LBC this morning. And uh, Warren says, uh, uh, can't stand the woman. And as for Jordan, what's she uh, creeping around doing? He's turning for Brighton. Oh, right. Everybody's going to Brighton. You know why everybody's going to Brighton today? Because they reckon that the, uh, the weather's going to be really, really nice. Really, really nice. So here we go. Let me let me ruin your day, just in case. <laughs> find out whether it's going to be good or bad for it. Because yesterday was, I thought yesterday was just misty. You know, down in Shoreham, it was it was definitely misty. When we came out of the restaurant, it was still misty. Well, I quite like misty. That's all right. So today, cloudy and misty in places at first. Fog patches, few spots of rain, and then generally from the uh, northwest, some sunny spells coming in. One or two showers later. The high today, twenty-one degrees. Any showers will clear by late evening, followed by a dry night, light winds and some good clear spells, becoming misty in some places later in the night, the low 13 centigrade. And for Monday, mist soon clearing to leave a fine and dry day with plenty of sun, sunshine becoming hazy later in the day, thin high clouds spreading in, the high 21 centigrade. And for the remainder of the week, it's continuing dry, because all the kiddies are back at school, aren't they? That's going to be so exciting. We're so thrilled about the little kiddies clogging up the trains. 
And the mummies and daddies out there in the big four-wheelers with some poor little child sitting in the back there. Make them get the train and the bus. That's what they're there for. That's what they're there for. It's really good. It's really good. Temperatures around normal for the time of year. There'll be some chilly starts. And I suppose now is the time that you start clearing up the hanging baskets, as Alan Titchmarsh should say, and start preparing for the winter, filling up the troughs with some new earth, which you get from the garden centre, and, uh, and planting out all sorts of things, just to give you a nice display of colour. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, ch- choked on myself then. I was so excited about this scrap dealer's firm. Um, uh, audience of up to two and a half million watched Terry Walker and his wife Lindsay battle to keep their yard afloat in BBC One's Scrappers. But apparently they've gone bust. They never paid the tax. Oh dear. During the six-part series, which ended on Friday, the pair were seen driving luxury BMW cars and sunning themselves in Tenerife. But behind the scenes... The uh, Metro Salvage UK was put into liquidation, is now being wound up. And uh, a source close to Terry, who comes from Bolton in Lancashire, says, this is the bit I like, this is the bit that really annoys me. Uh, It wasn't a decision taken lightly. He's moving forward with a new firm. In other words, it's exactly the same old, same old as was before. Um, The business worries were taking taking a toll. The, The firm went into voluntary liquidation in May. In other words, they haven't bothered paying tax, but he's opening another company. So, well done you. Well done, you. Why is it we have a low opinion of these people, estate agents, and just about anybody who appears on reality shows? They've all got history, haven't they? They've all got history that goes with it. So annoying. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Richard says, you don't get beetroot salad with proper fish and chips. You absolutely do. You're doing a posh place. Oh, you're doing common fish and chips, Richard. Oh, you're, is yours served in newspaper still? No, it's not, is it? It's in that stuff that they used to give you at the butchers. He says, you have to have it cooked in beef dripping, a stack of rustic chips on the side. Rustic chips? Rustic? That sounds very posh. I've been in restaurants where they do chunky chips and they layer them up as if they're doing sort of bricks. Like like Jenga. It looks a bit like Jenga. And you think to yourself, oh, that's so snooty. Or even worse, I went to a place a short while ago where they did little thin fries and they came in their own individual little silver pot. The chips yesterday were sort of a bit more like sauté potatoes, but each one came in its own little individual frying pan thing, like a little wire basket. Hilarious. Hilarious. But nice, actually. Um, autumn is three weeks early, says Warren. But your garden's looking a bit, a bit interesting at the moment. Sign of a massive cold winter. Oh, I'm firmly of the opinion that there's, um, that's a very cold winter around the corner. Because we didn't get much snow last year, did we? I was a bit disappointed. I kept saying to people, I'm looking forward to snow. Look at it. And they went, no, you're not. I said, no, I am, really. I'm looking forward to snow. I like it. I don't like driving in it, and I don't like... But I love sitting in, looking out, out the window at it. And three days running, I've had a dream about winning a lot of money. Three days running, I don't know what's the matter with me. And the house I've bought is Richard Attenborough's down at Richmond, which apparently is still up for sale. Still up for sale. It's about twelve point seven million. I thought if I win the Euro Millions, I could buy that, and then I could sit there watching the snow out of the window falling over Richmond Green. Quite fancy the idea. Have you ever heard um, of uh, somebody called Marcelo Marinoes? No, I've never heard of him either. But apparently, he thinks that he's Mister Nasty from Come Dine with Me. I'm ever so sorry, uh, Marcelo or Marcello, who's a hairdresser. Nobody's ever heard of you. I've asked everybody round here. Nobody knows who you are. But he says that every time his episode is on, he gets death threats. And I'm just sorry, we don't know who you are. Who are you? Apparently, he became one of the show's most hated stars. Nobody knows who you are. 
after viciously slagging off his rivals in the d- dinner party competition. I'm ever so sorry, much. Nobody knows who you are, love. It's very sweet of you to go into the newspapers and try and convince somebody that you're well-known. And uh, he says, there are people out there who want to hurt me. No, 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 th- there's nobody out there who wants to hurt you, love. Here is a bit of sound advice. If people write you saying they're going to hurt you, they won't. It's the people who don't write to you who will hurt you. Okay, the people who write you saying, I'm really going to do you damage, are just silly little girls' blouses. They won't do anything. You go, and they fall over. It's the people who never write you, but go, you know, they sort of bump into you in the street or something like that. So nobody knows who you are. You're you're a nobody. You're absolutely a nobody. I don't even know who you are at all, and I've seen the programme and I've watched it before. But um, he, he he says he came last in the show. Well, there you go, dear, a failure. A failure in a... So a failure even in the cooking department. How embarrassing. And a hairdresser. Dear. And because he was horrible on the programme, he says, because I came across as rude. So you're having to explain to us who you are, which means, quite clearly, nobody knows who you are. It's very sweet of you to make an effort, but, you know, I suggest you go back to the place where you live, which is called Obscurity. Uh, 84850, Eddie says, I've heard you talk about the Thai restaurant in Acton called Thai Nice. Yes, they, uh, they sold it. They sold it a while ago. Oh, ages ago. Yes, we used to go Thai Nice all the time. All the time. Uh, 84850, Linda says, finally you've dined somewhere uh, that I have. The way you described Shoreham, where my son lives, was spot on. It's, yes, it's very interesting. If you, yes, I mean, you should go down there because it's very pretty. You come through... Uh, you head out, is it Hove Way or whatever it is? And there's all these horrible houses on one side which are falling down. On the other side, you've got a, a big, like a yacht club thing. And they've obviously sold some of the land off. They're going to put up 132 flats. Because people, well, all, all the people on the other side of the road are going to be really fed up because they're not going to see anything at all, apart from the posh flats and their places are all run down. Then you go over, over walk over the bridge. And it's very pretty, Shoreham. I used to have a lady called Petra who used to listen to me and used to write to me from Shoreham. I didn't even know where it was. It was only until we went down the other day that I suddenly realised we had been there before. And it's very pretty. Elderly ladies sitting, you know, in the high street having a cup of tea, little lanes and some nice old house. I liked it. I did like it. I can imagine, though, there's a really naff area. And if you cross over the footbridge and go to the other bit, where there's sort of lots of houses, actually on the beach kind of thing, it's not really a beach. You, can't, you couldn't sit on it. It's all stones. And it's, you know, walking over stones, a bit of a nightmare, especially in heels. And so, and you look at these houses, they're all run down, they're falling apart, they're horrible. They've got, you know, you think you're living in a million pound house, you'd have some nice furniture out the back or a nice garden. But no, anywhere that's actually on the coast, I'm afraid, gets battered by the elements. You've got all the salt that comes in, so all the flats there, opposite this nice restaurant, into the blue, they're, they're all, they look as though they're falling apart. Somebody said they sell for £300,000 each, because they're near the beach. Dreadful. Andy and Sharon are sitting in a, an old VW camper van in Cornwall. God, I'm so somebody's got to. Day before they get married. Oh, God, it's finally come to that, has it? Dreadful. Uh, 84850, oh, Steve at uh, Um I thought Catherine Zeta-Jones was Welsh. Not English, like that Corrie PR man said. Well, they, I mean, we're, we're, we're all classed as English, aren't we? I know she's Welsh. And, uh, but, uh, but we all classed as English, actually. It just, doesn't really make any difference, does it? I don't think so. Uh, 84850, uk. Somebody says, divine intervention, intervention from the Almighty. What Almighty? You know, up there, in the clouds. God. God. It's the Almighty, isn't it? I have to say that on a Sunday. So much easier, I suppose. Uh, another one here, very quickly, which says, um... 
what's this? Oh, so everybody else is watching this um, this Strictly Come Dancing programme, whereas I'm not. I'm not watching either that or The X Factor, because The X Factor is the same old, same old. It's a load of people going on there, and, uh, and Simon going... And they, they, they swore blind they wouldn't do it. He swore blind. We're not going, you know, we're going to do it as a proper programme. Well, they're not, of course. It's the same old rubbish. So some barking mad woman comes on, dressed as Queen somebody or Princess somebody, and she goes, <laughs> like that, and they go, thank you very much indeed, no. And I thought, well, actually, for what she's doing, it's actually not bad. It's quite difficult to hit some of those notes. But, of course, we've got all the silly people on. In other words, there's nobody who can actually sing at all. They're going to pad it out with silly people, and that's why we watch it. We watch it to have a good old, a good old laugh at them, don't we? A good old laugh. Quarter past seven. Morning, everybody. It's 7.20. It's Sunday morning. Come on up. No, there's no point in getting up, is there? <laughs> no point in actually getting up at this time of the morning. Why not just stay there? Enjoy yourself, for goodness sake. Enjoy yourself. Uh, Marion, with my brother Andrew, had a lovely day. In London, and then my brother discovered the Christmas shop at Liberty's. Oh dear. They've got a Christmas shop in. Is it Harrods or Selfridges have opened theirs? I think they're, they're all roughly the, uh, the same sort of time. But, uh, but at least my brother's hand is better. You remember for his birthday he had the, the bad hand, but uh, another attack of gout, says Marion. This ageing. Th- well, I mean, you should have seen. I mean, everybody I was with the last week was ill. The amount of people around here that had bad backs and bad necks and this. Oh, dear, dreadful. It's obviously doing the rounds, or perhaps it's because we're getting a little bit older, and then we start uh, we start sort of worrying about things, and then lo and behold, we get them. I spent most of last week on Nurofen. <laughs> I've got no idea what was going on, and then I discovered these other tablets, which I thought were so much better. And and the reason I mention them is because when, when you oh, I've lost it now, but when you actually sort of go out and you do get tablets for things, and the doctor had said to me, get some ibuprofen, and so I bought these ibuprofen tablets. And I think they were 400 milligrams or 200 milligrams. And this is for the bad back and the bad neck and just about every other ache you can think of under the sun. And they didn't actually do that much good for me. And then somebody wrote to me, and I'm always willing to go by people's suggestions if I think it's worth trying, and said, have you tried Voltarol? Well, of course, I hadn't. In fact, I'd never even heard of it. I thought it was, <laughs> it was a play. <laughs> so, and uh, these ones have got diclofenic. Now, I'm aware of diclofenic because my doctor won't prescribe diclofenic to me because apparently it's, it's not very good and it has been known to, to produce internal bleeding. So they don't, they don't like to provide diclofenic. So that, that was another avenue of pleasure denied me because every time you got a bad back, you took a diclofenic and it seemed to vanish within seconds. So I, thought, so I went into the chemist and tried these Voltarol and they do it in, um, in a... In a in a, um, a gel as well, but you can't use the gel and the tablets. And for some reason, the tablets, the maximum box is nine tablets. So it's obviously fairly strong, even though it's only 25 milligrams. Look at me talking about illnesses like I know what I'm talking about. And so I tried this thing. Well, I tell you, it worked for me. Worked for me. And so I then went out and bought some more just to make sure in case anything else happens. And it's, I think it is for, you know, pain and inflammation relief. So it's not much good for headaches or anything like that, but I think the sort of your aches and pains and your back and, and those sort of things, the muscular type pains, it actually works. Well, it worked for me. But there again, I used to swear by uh, certain tablets for colds years and years ago, which don't, you don't sort of see them anymore. I think they actually withdrew them, which always annoyed me a little bit. So when it comes down to reality shows, the people in them, do they make much money? And uh, they reckon George Sampson, the teen who backflipped his way to Britain's Got Talent, uh, is worth about a million pounds. Jamie Lang, uh, the biscuit heir, but of course he won't be heir to anything at all, as you know. Uh, they reckon it's worth a million. 
Uh, Gemma Collins, they reckon, is worth one and a half... Uh, sorry, 1.1 million. And yet Ashley and Pudsey, only 1.1 million. I would have thought they were worth more than that. Much more than that. I think they're looked after by Jonathan Shallot. In fact, I think so many people in this list are looked after by Jonathan Shallot. Uh, Jamie Lang, the answer to uh, Willy Wonka. I'm not sure if he actually does a day's work. Uh, they say he... Um, he earns at least £10,000 a night showing his face at some of the UK's premier <coughs> night spots. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe he earns £10,000 a night. He might earn, you know, be a couple of gigs a week, sorry, a couple of gigs a month or something like that. I would think probably the answer is between two and a half and £3,000. Certainly not ten. Last time, if you remember, he came back on a train. Do you remember? And he was talking in the Don't Talk carriage. And people told him off and he basically told them to off. So the police were called and he was uh, he was taken off the train. Nice little piece of work. Spencer Matthews. Um, I don't know what he does for 1.1 million. He looks a bit geeky. There's something the matter with him. But, uh, Millie McIntosh they reckon is worth 1.8. Sam Fears and Joey Essex. A really peculiar couple, if ever there were a peculiar couple. Uh, Joey they reckon is worth 1.3 million. I don't believe that. I just don't believe it. If you, if you are, then they reckon Ryland Clark, 1.4. But they reckon Jeff Brazier, 1.5 million. Don't see it. I just don't see it at all. I really don't. I mean, he's, he's had to downsize the house. How could it be worth one and a half million? I don't see it. Lee Mead, who's uh, earning big, they say, at 1.7 million. Mark Wright, 1.8 million. What, nearly two million pounds, you think? You think? I bet you honestly, if you, I bet there's people from, from their banks listening going, nowhere near that. Cher Lloyd, 1.8 million. They say she surprised everybody by conquering America. She died on a proverbial ear. They couldn't shift the album. They reckon Kim Marsh is worth £2 million. Did you know? I'll tell you a little useless fact. You know the cast of Friends? Do you realise that even though the show is finished now, in royalties from around the world, they all make about £20 million a year? It's not bad, is it? £20 million. Pounds. Huge amount of money. Uh, Rob Law is the inventor who slayed the dragons and bagged big bucks. They reckon he's worth 2.2 million. They reckon that Brian Dowling is worth 2.5 million. I don't believe it. Ben Fogle, 2.6 million. He might, he might have done. Jessica Taylor from Liberty X. They say she's, uh, she's the face of Ultimo in a deal worth a quarter of a million. They reckon she's worth two and a half million. I bet these people will be looking. They reckon Louisa Zisman is worth 2.6 million. Chantel Houghton is worth 2.7 million. I just don't believe it. I just don't believe it. Imogen Thomas, 2.8 million. I mean, what's she famous for? Being tacky. Um, Ashley Banjo. Who's Ashley Banjo? Do you know who Ashley Banjo is? Isn't that awful? I'm looking at two young people. They haven't got the faintest idea, Ashley, who you are. I'm so sorry. He's the uh, the choreographer from Diversity. The dancers. 2.9 million. I bet he's looking at it thinking, you remember him now, thank you. And they reckon Amy Childs, such a child, um, is worth 3.5 million. You'd think if she was, she'd be living in a better house than the uh, the one she's living in at the moment. I think they're all a bit overhyped, those. I'd like to see... But this way, I bet the taxman would like to see some of their accounts, if that's what they're supposed to be earning, or that's what they are. 84850. My partner and I, says Russell, were discussing BBC's ridiculous decision to replace Bruce Forsyth with Claudia Winkleman on Strictly. And she said, isn't that a bit like meat and two veg, but without the meat? Yes, I, th- I didn't see it, so I couldn't possibly comment. I don't... I, I'm not really that interested in people prancing around like ninnies. I'm, it doesn't really bother me in the slightest. I, I just don't want to do it. Don't want to do it. Um, there's a, a warning from a wag here. 
There's been a lot of wags, isn't there? In fact, we know three. Nicola McLean's old man disappeared off with somebody else. What, babe? I always remember Nicola McLean on the television. Uh, and then Danielle Lloyd's marriage has gone west. And here's another one. This is Chris Coleman's estranged wife, today revealing he's evicting her and their four children whilst planning his marriage to a Sky Sports beauty. Furious Belinda is now frantically looking for a new home as the Wales manager parades his pregnant new love, Charlotte Jackson, in a gushing celebrity magazine interview. There's something about men when they hit that sort of middle-age thing. Uh, Belinda's been given two months to leave the two-bedroom flat. She shares with Sonny, 21, Christy, 19, Faraday, six... Faraday? Who in God's name calls their child Faraday? I thought Christy and Sonny's okay. And Georgie, as Coleman liquidates his two businesses to pay debts of more than 500,000. And um, and it's a new article in OK magazine. There's something about sad old men who go out with sort of younger people they meet at work and then they go, oh, I'm going to get married to you, darling. I love you. And so he has. And so the uh, the wife obviously got to do something. She said, I'm upset we're losing our flat while he lives in a four-bedroom house and talks about his new baby. It's time he remembered about our children. Yeah. I know. What was it? I was, I was talking to somebody the other day whose marriage has, uh, has gone a bit awry. And uh, it's a shame because uh, he, he said, I wish I'd never had a child with this particular person if I'd known that the marriage wasn't going to last that long. And so he's now torn. You know, doesn't exactly have loads of money. He doesn't know what to do. He's got a child from a previous relationship and now another one from the other relationship, which has just gone pear-shaped. But I've got a friend as well who's had two divorces under his belt. It seems to be quite common nowadays, doesn't it, where, where people, uh, you know, go out with somebody. I think, you know, sometimes love is blind. You know, it depends. I mean, I, I, I know a guy who's a uh, very good friend. And, um, and before he went away on holiday... Madly in love, madly in love. Somebody from South Africa, and I said it's a bit difficult to have a long distance relationship. If somebody lives in South Africa and you live here, the chances are there ain't going to be much sex going on, is there? Let's face it, and that seems to be the basis of a good marriage. Or unless they can cook, if they can cook and you get good sex, I think that kind of that kind of covers it as far as I'm concerned. I don't want it at the same time, or you know, because that's a bit messy. But um, and then and so all of a sudden, then this person goes away on holiday, then they come back immediately. We've forgotten South Africa completely out the window. We've now found somebody else. We've now found so this time from Argentina. Which is amazing, because I don't know anything about Argentinians apart from they do corned beef. And I thought, well, that's always useful if they've got friends and family at home. They can send you food parcels through. But it's, it's a case nowadays, because, because we're in London. If you're in, a, if you're in a little village in the middle of Essex, there are, there's not much choice, is there? But if you're in London, or you're in Manchester, or somewhere like that, there's vast choice. You could walk into a bar... Well, most of you listening, I should imagine. And you could meet somebody fairly... You want to come round here? I tell you, they're all very successful round here. Very, very successful. You know, I personally would rather stay in with a good jigsaw. I'm doing Moscow by night at the moment. It's a bit of a bit of a struggle, but I'm getting through it. And, and round here, they're, they're so fickle. They're terribly fickle. I remember a friend of mine, he went out with... He, he, he came out to London from Manchester. And he, he met somebody. He thought it was going to be great. And, of course, they weren't interested after about, about two nights. And he was horrified. And so he said, I, I, I trusted this person. I said, oh, right. I said, why? He said, because they told me that I was the only one. I said, no, the only one that night. They don't actually mean it's sort of serious, you know. And I, d- I don't know what age people settle down nowadays. I suppose, I mean, I did say to this friend of mine this morning, I said, you know, as you're working your way round the world at the moment, so we've done South Africa, now we're doing Argentina, who knows, Brazil, I suppose, next, or something like that. You know, it's, it's quite nice, and it gives you a you know, an expansive mind. Whether or not it's, it's good in the long term, I don't know. 
But all I know is, every time I get a text going, so much to tell you, you just know. You just know that there's other people around, don't you? I mean, really. Quick time check for you. It's uh, 7.31. Morning, everybody. Even Warren has said this morning... I've been around the world. He said, nobody's faithful, no one. I've given up with relationships. Who's fooling who? Yes, I mean, but I think, do not, when you go into... I don't want to do a relationship programme, because I'm sure there's other people better qualified. But when you go into a relationship, when you're sort of young or or you're sort of easily fooled, as I call it, uh, you know, you do believe it, don't you? You do believe when somebody says, I really, really love you, and you go, do you? That's nice. And and all they want, they're, they're just after, you know, after a bit of fun. And then after they, they sort of, they've had, had the bit of fun, you go, do you love me now? And they go, no. You go, I thought you loved me. You know, by that time, I mean, this, this friend of mine I was telling you about earlier on, he does make the mistake, though. When he starts going out with them, he immediately produces the pro-pro-nuptia catalogue and starts going, oh, look, what do you reckon? Veil? No veil. Shoes? Roses? Chrysanthemums? <laughs> what do you reckon? You know, he starts, and, and they start going round. Look, it's a nice church, isn't it? Should we just have a look inside? Just, just practice, shall we? Da, 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 da. Da, you know, we get all that kind of thing. <laughs> People start getting very frightened, don't they, when they start going, oh, they're making nesting noises. That's like, you know, we, you could move in here, couldn't you? Two could live cheaply. Two could live as cheaply as one. You know, and then we can, and we can go and skip and hold hands on the way to the Chinese takeaway. <laughs> Warren says, yeah, and behind your back, they're loving everybody else. I know. Well, that's, I've always found that in big cities. Big city. I remember somebody once telling me, whether it's true or not, I don't know, that in London, people tell fibs. People tell they're obsessed in London. Far more so than anywhere else in the country with what do you do for a living, what car do you drive, and how much, how much do you earn? People are very in, so in, in other words, I'm sure if I sat in a bar and somebody said, hello, you look interesting, which of course they're never likely to say, because I'm not one of these people who looks interesting. I look as though I've just sort of wandered in, you know, from the wreck of the Titanic. I was the last one survived. I mean, I just suppose the life belt gives it away, doesn't it? But anyway, so I'm always sitting there. And, uh, and if, if somebody sort of came up and said, oh, hello, what do you do for a living? And that seems to be an opening thing, isn't it? People want to know what you do for a living. Do you have a proper job? You know, are you likely to sponge off me? Or, you know, are you self-sufficient? Whereas, if somebody said, I've got my own property, I drive a Jaguar XJX, and uh, I take three holidays a year, you can think, oh, God, you're out of my league, aren't you? So you have to fib, you have to elevate yourself. You know, they go, and so whereabouts you do your shopping? Uh, Lidl. Which I don't know, it's quite nice. All right, I use Harrods Food Hall a lot, and uh, we have Selfridges delivery, which is nice. And at Christmas time, it comes with a Father Christmas and on a sledge, and it's very beautiful. And and you go where? And Morrison's at Christmas. I like Morrison's because they do a chocolate Father Christmas of forty nine p. And uh, and it, it's not quite the same, is it? It's not quite the same. So I've discovered now it's more keeping up with the Joneses than it is at any other time. The, the amount of people who are so interested in, you know, are you wearing... I remember a friend of mine saying to me once, he said, where, where do you get your vests from? In the days when I used to wear vests, it was a long time ago. And I said, well, they're just sort of Marks and Spencer. He said, oh, he said, they're not labels. I said, well, it's got Marks and Spencer's in it. I don't know what difference, what difference would it make. Do people go around checking what labels are in your clothes? And apparently they do. So, you know, I said, well, I just shop in Marks and Spencer's. You know, I, I can do a one-stop shop in Marks and Spencers. Everything. Shoes, socks, pants, everything. It's all Marks and Spencers. I couldn't imagine going to anywhere else. It's far too expensive. Even if you won the lottery and you had, you know, millions of pounds, why would you then start getting your shoes handmade at £1,500, £3,000 a pair when you go to Marks and Spencers and get loads of pairs for that? Loads of pairs. You don't want to change yourself, do you? Uh, Warren says the giveaway... Oh, damn, I'm not sure whether this is, this is repeatable. Um... He says the, the giveaway that somebody's being unfaithful is the excuses when, you know, should we, should we have an early night? And they go, oh, not really, I'm feeling a bit tired. 
And you think, and it's all down there, isn't it? It's, it's all downhill from that to that moment on. I think once actually the spark goes out of your relationship, I suppose it's very difficult to try and resurrect it. Years ago, we used to have a marriage guidance programme on LBC, and I was amazed at how many people were having problems with their marriage. Because I always think, once you've fallen out of love, I don't know what I'm doing this on a Sunday morning, what the dickens am I doing this for? It's all your fault. Started with this one. I was doing fine up until then, talking about Colleen Nolan and Rooney and all the rest of them. Now, all of a sudden, we're doing marriage guidance on a Sunday morning. Lord above. And I'm sort of think I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this. I'm feeling far too depressed about the whole thing. But I wonder if, if music be the food of love. Let's eat. Um, it's the kind of thing that sort of happens. In London, people do tell fibs. Probably where you are, people tell fibs. You know, I really, really love you. No, they don't. They just say that. We've seen it on the reality shows. In fact, if anybody was free with their affections, it's the reality shows. Chris Evans is in one of the papers today. He's emerged, this is such a non-story as well, as the surprise replacement for Jeremy Clarkson. So if you read this story, you seriously think that Jeremy Clarkson is going to be dropped by the BBC when they emphatically have told you that he's not going to be dropped at all. They've just sort of said, you know, sail close to the wind, don't fall off the end of the earth. They said, if bosses decide not to renew the controversial presenter's contract on Top Gear... There's no chance that they're not going to do that. They're going to renew that contract. It's his company that makes it, isn't it? So why would they want to do it? It's it's a good ratings winner for them. There's nothing... Everybody knows that Chris likes cars and stuff like that, but that's not necessarily enough, is it? People like... I mean, I'm personally not a fan of Top Gear. It's okay. You know, I'm not not sort of knocking it as programmes go, because I understand exactly how how programmes work. It's just that I'm not a petrol head, so I'm not particularly interested in fast cars. I'm not particularly interested in what's under the bonnet of a car. I'm always surprised when I open it and discover there is an engine there. Uh, Bruce, he's bowed out. He turned up on Strictly the other night. And he did a a glittering handover ceremony. One last dance. So there he was. So it's good. They've got the betting odds on all the people which is great. MasterChef host Greg Wallace admits his girlfriend is worried about him getting close to his Strictly partner. Oof. He's so creepy, isn't he? Something about Greg Wallace that makes you, makes you sort of... Oof. Yucky. BBC bosses have wrapped Ola Jordan, who publicly criticised the hit show for making contestants strip off. Oh, just drop her. Just drop her. Get rid of her. Nobody's interested in her. It's too dreary for words. You got rid of the husband, get rid of her. Do us all a favour. Uh, do you think that Gary Boosie on Celebrity Big Brother is being bullied, says Sarah? No, I think he's a bully as well. I think he's a bit mad. I think he's a bit mad, but then that's what I suppose they need on the programme. The, uh, they're all horrible people. That's why they're in there. They are particularly horrible people, and that's why they're in there. They're in there to uh, to actually annoy you, because that's that's the duty of the programme. If somebody's nice, they're of no interest, are they? Uh, Ian says, if you use a gelled ice pack on your lower back, that will do everything and more than these anti-inflammatories do. Well, actually, I do not have a bad back now. Because when you've got, as anybody will tell you, with a bad back, oh, it's absolutely awful. Uh, When I had a bad back, I wanted to get Voltron, and my chemist wouldn't let me have it, as he knows I'm diabetic, says Andrea. Make any difference at all to me. And um, nothing on it that says anything about diabetes. Wait a minute, let's have a quick check, just in case. Are you allergic to diclofenic? No. And it says, do not take... If you have heart disease or have suffered from heart or blood circulation problems like a heart attack, strokes, mini strokes or arterial disease. So uh, none of those. They say here, ask the doctor. Oh, they say, ask the doctor if you have diabetes. They never ask me. So uh, absolutely fine. Everybody's different, though. On di- every, every diabetic is completely different. Everybody is different. So always just check with your doctor. 
Always check with your doctor first. Makes it easier, doesn't it, that way? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And uh, by using her newly married name, does Cheryl Cole really believe this indicates she has talent? No, she thinks it's... uh, She sort of elevated herself to... I don't know how much money he's got, if indeed he's actually got any money. I don't know anything about him, apart from he was a playboy, and I don't think it'll last very long. But I bet you anything she'll hang on to that name when it finishes. I just bet... I just bet. I've just got a thing. You know, I'm very rarely wrong on these things. I've just got an idea. Carol Malone's column today. She's talking about uh, Kelly Brook, who says in her autobiography that her motto when coming face-to-face with the paparazzi is to just look dumb and fun. Mission accomplished. She obviously gave the same advice to her half-witted boyfriend, David McIntosh, who's taken it a tad too literally. But at least it explains why he was the first to be chucked out of the Big Brother house. Oh, he was just boring, wasn't he? Good to see Judy Finnegan, says Carol Malone. Making her TV comeback on Loose Women, Judy says she was lured back because she fancied contributing to lively conversations with intelligent, outspoken women. Carol Malone says she obviously hasn't met Jamelia then, or failing that, even uh, Colleen Nolan. <laughs> intelligent conversation. The trouble is, and much as though people like Judy Finnegan, she's not been on television for a year. I think she'll be a bag of nerves, because out of all the people on the panel, you're not interested in the other ones, are you? You just want to watch Judy Finnegan. Because it was it was bad enough last time they were on. I thought they were great. I loved it on the programme. I just thought they, they sort of bounced off, off each other. Now, whether or not she's going to be out of her comfort zone there without Richard. Because when she was doing interviews a while ago, he actually went, uh, went with her for most of the interviews. So I'm assuming somebody's got to go with her for these things. Unless she's going to, uh, unless she's going to manage to cope. It'll be interesting, won't it? It'll be very, very interesting. I, 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 for one, will be watching. I haven't seen boomers on television, several famous names acting in it, not as good as we expected. A shame, really. All down to the scriptwriters, say Les and Sandra in Lewisham. Yes, well, that's always the way. You either, it doesn't matter just how, how good something is. You know, it depends. Sandra and I are about to leave Tooting's sunny climbs, says Gordon, for somewhere even hotter in order to celebrate our wedding anniversary. He says, I love her very much and I'm grateful to her for all that she does for me. We deal with all the things she hasn't done when we return. <laughs> of course. Sounds like a major argument on the way here. Definitely. Uh, 84850. Sean says, can you tell me what caused your diabetes? Not a clue. Not a clue, I'm afraid. I never worry about things like that. I sort of, I, I, I live with it. I cope with it. Roger Moore and I cope with it. You know, it's good. Uh, 84850. Somebody else talking about... Uh, uh, Voltarol. They have the same ingredients as diclofenac. Yeah, it's got a small amount of diclofenac in it. So, one is the trade name and the other is the, uh, is the name over the counter. So, listen, it stopped my bad back. Believe you me, in this business, when you get a bad back and you have to get out of bed in the early hours of the morning, you don't want a bad back. 14 minutes to 8. There are a matter of minutes away for, uh, from you this morning. Jane in uh, Crete, or Hertfordshire, depending on where she is at the moment, has been a huge fan of LBC for years and years and years, over 20 years. She says, you've got me through some of the darkest days of my life and six years of my husband's terminal illness. I adore your in-conversation slot and uh, always look forward to, uh, to Sunday's excellent guests. Well, it's Sir Roger Moore, and you can hear him, and Charlie Higson. From the Far Show, you can hear them this evening at nine o'clock on LBC. Do podcast, please. She's uh, she's in a lovely Crete at the moment. Twenty-seven degrees. Oh, good grief! Way too hot for me. Two hours ahead in time differences, and the program wakes me up and cheers me up daily, except Saturday. It's because we're not here Saturday. But you can always podcast the programs, which is excellent. She says you do bring a smile to my face weekdays and Sundays. That's all we can hope for. Uh, eight for eight five zero. Oh. 
Poor old Wendy says it's that time of year again. You know what it is? And Warren told us about it the other week. Spider time. Spider time. The season's first. We've got loads of them at home. It's the weather that brings them out. And they're, uh, and, they're th- and I don't like them, actually. I don't like them at all. Fred in Palmer's Green said, had a nice little chat with your friend Darren at my favourite little theatre last night in Stevenson's Way. I think you might know it. That'd be the magic circle. It's all the very talented Richard Pinner win Stage Magician of the Year competition. Dry, well-deserved, very nice guy. Runner-up, Edward Hilsom, who I believe you also know. And he's still young. Yes, he is. His mum will be listening at the moment, I should imagine. But uh, no, Richard Pinner I've known for some time. So he won, did he? So I didn't... You've spoiled it for me, because I didn't know that. I was going to find out later on this morning. So uh, well done to Edward and to Richard as well. Great evening out at the Magic Circle. We've used uh, Edward... Uh, and Richard, actually, in my Christmas shows at the Magic Circle. Always excellent, always excellent shows. Uh, Anthony says, oh dear, nothing's the same as it used to be at MS. I've just bought some new underpants, been buying for years, and they're stated to be trunks with keyhole fly. All I can say is if the fly's the size of a keyhole, you've got a problem. Yes. <laughs> I don't know, actually. I, never, I just look at the size on them now, which is awful. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Claire Cathcart has died, according to Alan, uh, a Fermanagh-born actress who was in Doctors, The Bill, Casualty, New Tricks, Call the Midwife, playing Mrs Torpy. And, uh, oh, very young, isn't she? At 48? That seems very young. I shall check that one out for, uh, for later. That'll probably make tomorrow's papers. I've only got about six minutes left. I see that um, Mary Berry has sold one of her companies. Uh, it's a food firm. I think it was called Mary Berry and Daughter. And it produced salad dressings, sauces and chutneys. It made £1.2 million profit last year. She sold it for £2 million, uh, which is lovely. And so the new owners can carry on using Mary's name to sell goods. So she's given... So it's, I mean, I'm, I'm delighted that anything that Mary Berry does makes money. I'm always delighted. I think at the age of 79, you know, she's worked long and hard throughout her life. Why not start reaping the benefits? And she's made sure that all the uh, the children get you know, the money, and they can have it now as well. It's even better. Have it while it's there. Oh, Kylie's going on tour again. Kylie's touring. Uh, This is the Kiss Me Something. Kiss Me Once tour. And so Kylie will be out there. And Status Quo, touring with Chaz and Dave as support. Kylie's playing... Well, a few of them are sold out. Cardiff's sold out. It always sells out quickly, doesn't it? In Glasgow, sold out. Well, I believe that's what it says. I can't really read it. But she's doing Liverpool, Manchester, London twice at the O2. Finishes up in Sheffield. Boomtown Rats are touring. Would you really want to go and see the Boomtown Rats? I don't think I'd want to, actually. I really... And now they just say, uh, this is Rat Life Tour. Geldof, Brickett, Crow, Roberts. As if that was something interesting. I don't know. I always used to count on one hand the amount of hit singles I thought that they'd uh, they'd had, and I was I was never the. I'd like the music at the time, but I thought that we we kind of milked it a little bit too much. Uh, Daily Star today. It was on the front uh, TV Star Extra magazine. Oh, it's Lorraine. Lorraine's got. Oh, well, she's modelling a new fashion range. Has everybody got a fashion range now? Have you got a fashion range, Stig? That's it, is it? It's not good enough, you know. Everybody's got. Lorraine Kelly's got her own fashion range. I feel I should have a fashion range. And uh, the Saturdays, yeah, Frankie. And um, and Gwyneth Paltrow on dieting, like she needs to diet, ladies and gentlemen. These people, I'm sure that they, they can eat everything. What's happening in Downton? There's a fire at Downton Abbey. And um, I don't know, really, who's going to survive. I mean, who will survive? They might live at Downton Abbey, but will they be, will they be seeking their demise 
as part of the new series. I don't know. I do like it. Is it, is it as good as it was? People said to me, I kept reading articles, when I was due to be doing Dan Stevens, but because of, unfortunately, time and logistics, it just never happened. Uh, which was a great shame, because people said, after the first series, it went off the boil a bit. And But that's the same with everything, isn't it? It's like Godfather 1 and 2 were brilliant, Godfather 3, a bit dreary. So after 126 years, I'm not sure I should ruin your, your Sunday morning, the DNA breakthrough unmasking the real name of Jack the Ripper. There are six suspects. The Duke of Clarence... Sir William Gull, who was a surgeon, Walter Sickert, an artist, John Pizer, a shoemaker, George Chapman, a barber, and Aaron Koshiminsky, who was a hairdresser. Who is it? Who is the person who is the real Jack the Ripper? I've decided I'm not going to tell you. I've decided that I'm going to let you uh, sit there and stew over that one. I've decided that I'm not going to help you at all. You'll have to buy the paper, because it ruins it for you. And there have been so many books over the years of who the real Jack the Ripper is. Uh, It's Russell Edwards who's got the new book out. Um, Because for 126 years he has been Britain's most notorious criminal. People trying to guess. People sort of saying, was he a member of the royal family? Was he a surgeon? Did he know about all these things? And we just don't know. We just do not know. So that's why you have to you have to read it. I'll, I'll let you read it and discover exactly uh, what is going to be going on there. Because it, it, I don't don't want to ruin it for you. I really don't. Apparently, according to Sue, and I've heard this one before, a bowl of conkers will keep spiders away. Oh right, I've heard of that. I why have I heard of that before? I cannot remember why I've heard of that. I've got no idea why a bowl of conkers would be the thing that would be keeping keeping them away. It's interesting. Perhaps it's something in the conkers. Perhaps you don't see them in, in conker trees. I don't know. I do not know. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, just a few more minutes just to get in here. Oh, the BBC uh, under fire for handing out hundreds of uh, free Wimbledon tickets to wealthy businessmen. Now, that's that's actually quite normal, isn't it, really? Quite normal, because when they do Wimbledon, they have all these uh, tickets that they hand out to people. And, they, you know, if they've got good contacts there, they do them. Everybody does it. They obviously get an allocation, and they decide to hand them out. So if you're the person who's running it, you go, well, I can hand those out, and it can be... And uh, that, that's your little treat. They do it for not only that, they do it for most of the sporting events. Most of the sporting events uh, get free tickets. That's it for this morning. I shall be back with you tomorrow morning at four. Tomorrow morning at four. We shall look forward to your, uh, to your company then. And if you go to the LBC website, you can learn how to podcast. And if you don't know how to podcast, you'll learn very, very quickly. OK, so have yourself a lovely day. Uh, no matter where you're going, I hope the weather's going to be kind for us, and we'll talk tomorrow at four. But go to the LBC website. Don't forget, In Conversation is uh, repeated at nine o'clock tonight. Next, it's Stig and Petrie.